Hey guys. Welcome to week one of our fall series, From the Ground Up. Thanks for joining us. So this week, as I was deleting and blocking another hateful comment from one of our social media pages, (laughs) I thought about when we first formed as a church. Back then, we didn't really have to worry about internet trolls. We didn't stand out all that much. I mean, we thought we were cool and really progressive because we had a woman pastor and she even got to preach. We were so proud of it, but really, we didn't stir the pot all that much. We didn't have to worry about people spamming our Facebook page with negative reviews because we're open and affirming, which has really happened. White supremacists didn't show up on our Instagram posts spewing, which has really happened. And people didn't call our church phone number to confront our liberal theology, which has really happened. These days, it wouldn't be too inaccurate to describe us as a bit radical, at least for Texas. So, these days, I find myself deleting and blocking a lot more often. The truth is, we look totally different than we did when we first formed back in 2011 or 12. I guess it depends on how you look at it. But our origin story still has value and meaning to who we are today. And since in the next several weeks we're going to focus on our beliefs and our practices, we thought today would be a good time to reflect on that story. Where did we come from and where are we going? Now, I've been in what I would call the trenches of this work for all of our seven years of existing. And since I've been a pastor here all that time, I have really seen it all. I've been around for our triumphs and our many mistakes. I have seen people in our community thrilled with us and deeply hurt by us. I have been hurt myself a time or two. I've seen people come, I've seen people go, I've seen tons of programming come and go. I have seen up close and personal the reality that committing to a sacred community, a chosen family, is hard. But as I sat with the lectionary readings this week, as I read them again and again and again, I was amazed at how fitting both the Old Testament and the Gospel readings are with both our past experiences and our future hopes. Both readings are deep cuts speaking directly to the spirit of our community. They both speak essentially of holding things lightly so that we can be formed and so that we can follow. So my prayer for us is that we would be willing to hear these wise spirit promptings and shift and evolve as necessary. And what that means and what it has always meant is that we accept that there is never, ever, ever a time where we shouldn't be willing to reevaluate and change. This is difficult work, but be encouraged. I believe this holding of things lightly, this willingness to change, as uncomfortable as it can be, is a marker of our church's identity from the very beginning. So in the next several weeks, we're going to talk about who we've been, who we are becoming, some of the tenets that shape our communal identity, and we are going to review those principles we believe Jesus embodied so that we can continue in our efforts to prioritize them. 
And I hope that beginning this process with a telling of our story is helpful. So gather round, kids. Story time. We often say that certain ones of us started this church. Um, like we'll say, Kyle and Aurelia started the church, or Anna. Anna was the first person in the core group. Anna's here today. Anna. <laughs> and um, or the Henzelkas and the Browns were originally here, and blah, blah. We started the church. But the more accurate truth, which Matt reminded me of this week, is that the church was handed to us. So in the fall of 2011, eight years ago, the Williamson Baptist Association made plans to plant a moderate Baptist church in Williamson County. There weren't any other Baptist churches in the area who specifically identified as moderate, just right down the middle, affirming of women pastors and affiliated specifically with the Cooperative Baptist Network or the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. So, in fall of 2011, a few men sat around a table at the WBA, and the church on paper was written up. The mission, the vision, the core values, the leadership structure, and it was named Grace Baptist Church. And from there on, a core group was sought out over the course of spring 2012. They put ads in the papers, they, you know, word of mouth, let people know what's going on. And through that, they gathered a core group of maybe a dozen people. One of those people was Anna Swisher, who's still here today. She answered, I think, an ad in the paper, maybe. And then some of you know Cam and Heather Scott. They responded to that call. And, yeah, they gathered a core group, and the core group said, okay, this is great. Who cares? And they were like, oh, we don't have pastors yet. <laughs> so they then put out ads in, like, the seminaries in the area and uh, their other resources of sort of putting the word out there in ministry contexts. And through that, uh, Kyle and myself heard about the project, Start This Church. We were both moving from various other areas to Round Rock area uh, for other reasons and looking for work. And we both interviewed in the spring and both signed on to be a part of starting the church. So in June, June 6, 2012, that's our anniversary if you're wondering, we had our first meeting with the initial core group where we all met each other for the first time and looked at each other and said, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to start this church. And so throughout that summer and fall, we did the work of preparing to launch and gathering more people for our core group. That, during that time, the Henzelkas and Browns, who a lot of you know, uh, came on, and we met most weeks um, to do Bible studies and then we would meet often for like barbecues and we just sort of grew in our community and prepared to launch. So in 2013, January, that was our launch date and we did indeed launch, but we had a second handing off. So the church was sort of handed to us in this document form and uh, we had a lot of guidance from the director of the WBA who was at the time kind of one of the pastors as well. Right before we launched, he let us know he wasn't going to be able to be one of the pastors. It was just conflicted too much with his responsibilities at his normal job. And so 
Kyle and I were kind of handed again the church with even more responsibility. And so we launched in 2013 with the help of our, our core group. And we launched in a way that you wouldn't even recognize if you <laughs> were there today. We launched at the Texas Baptist Children's Home Chapel. We had traditional hymns, very liturgical, semi-contemplative, and very, very, very academic, I would say. Very, for, like, very thinking focused. And this was kind of our identity. 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017. This was kind of the way that we were. We also had other parts to us that you would recognize today. We always had a strong, caring sense of community. We always were so proud of providing a safe space to question and wrestle and doubt. And I, we always had thoughtful sermons. <laughs> <laughs> good liturgy, um, genuine intentions, and interfaith work was always a priority to us. And we always, always, always tried to hold things lightly and come to the table with humility and willingness to change. And so what that meant was that we were constantly evolving. We recognized that what we had been handed didn't really reflect the, the congregation. And so as a congregation, we worked to change things and we were always changing something. So from those years, 2013 to early 2000, we wrote our bylaws and changed them several times. We rewrote our mission, our vision, our core values. We created the tagline, think deeply, love widely. And then in 2015, we even changed our name to Peace of Christ Church. And we did all of this as a community. Every single conversation, the whole community was invited to, which meant it took a good five years to do all of those changes. But it was really, really a beautiful process to do that together and to know that what we had created from, from that moment on was congregationally led. We were constantly changing, but in large part, it was mostly in word. It was a lot of paper. <laughs> and still, I think it was good for us. And because of that, and because of the space we provided to really engage theology thoughtfully and to really have space to learn and grow and doubt and throw things out and rebuild, we evolved and grew a lot as a church and just kind of our beliefs. And specifically, the leaders and the pastors, there became this emphasis on our interfaith work. We evolved personally in our theology. We became more bold about LGBTQ uh, issues. It was something a moderate church doesn't normally talk about. As pastors and leaders, we were talking about it and trying to figure out how to approach that conversation as a church. And as we did all this evolving simultaneously, I think we hit a plateau in our in our church culture, in our worship culture. We, these two things happening simultaneously, I think produced this pivotal season where Kyle and I looked at each other and we knew we'd been doing this for about five years and we knew that something has to give, something has to change or we're gonna fold. And so in 2017, mid-2017, rebirth. <laughs> and for me, this was the beginning of our really lived into identity. A lot happened at once that brought us to this place of rebirth, but I really have to credit Fran's 
pastoral and leadership and her imagination and her gifts and her creativity and all the things that she brought to the table when she came on in 2017, I really believe that that was pivotal in ushering us into this place of discovering ourselves. And so in 2017, for the first time ever, we created a worship culture. It wasn't that we changed our worship culture. It was just that we created it for the first time. Our gatherings felt holistic, embodied, a balance of feeling and thinking, not just thinking. And this bled over into everything we did, every decision that we would make, every programming we would plan. We became bold in our inclusive theology, bold in our marketing hence the trolls. (laughs) We put aside fears about who might leave our congregation or what affiliations might disassociate with us. We just followed the spirit. We followed the energy. And and besides the theology and marketing, we changed so much of our style, of the way we decided on things, our music, our liturgy. We started offering communion every single week during this time. We put it at the front of the service so that kids could always join in. We started talking about what's actually going on in society and societal wounds. We started participating in the act of resistance and advocacy. See, we kept up our tradition of change, but we moved from change in word to change in action, lived change. And it just, for us, it blew up. The energy was so, so good. And yes, we are still small, but now we are small and mighty. (laughs) That's when that small but mighty thing came about. So... When Kyle, who was the lead pastor before me, because I came in on an an associate role, when Kyle announced that he was leaving in early 2018, which was less than a year, then all this good stuff started happening. I think I was more terrified and unsure than anybody. I was afraid and I was sad and I did not want them to go. But then I looked around and the work of our church was still happening. It was still happening. It was going to happen. And so in early 2011, a church was created and handed to us. But in 2019, we are a church made new. And every person here has had a hand in its story and creation because we're all this church. And we all believe in what this small but mighty community is capable of, right? And so I look around and I'm in groups and talk to a lot of other pastors and kind of have my eyes out there. And not many churches are functioning authentically these days. Pastors are not able to function authentically. Everyone is so busy trying to prop up a dying church. And all the energy is going to this flailing attempt to save an old paradigm. In fact, I just wrote an article this week called Let the Church Die, Here's Why. <laughs> And this is what I think this church should do in general. It should grant itself permission to die so that it can be reborn. Even if it means people leave, even if it means it's hard and uncomfortable, even if it means pastors are out of a job, even if everything changes, don't push against rebirth when it needs to happen. This is the lesson I've learned from our little church's story. And this is why we're going to be talking about crazy things like non-dualism and oneness and the disruptive nature of peacemaking over the course of several weeks. These conversations are a part of the rebirth. And, by the, and they're recentering to the ways of Jesus, by the way. 
thinking about Jesus and his words in today's reading. By the way, Paul, thank you. I was hoping you'd say a little something because I didn't get to dig into it, but I really would have loved to. (laughs) I actually have thought about it. I'm not trying to get away with not talking about it. Um, But thinking about Jesus' words in today's reading when he says, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions, I think about how as a church in the U.S., we inherit an abundance of possessions. We inherit tribe. We inherit power. We inherit traditions, orthodoxy, privilege, a culture that shapes and defines us and we can sort of just meld into. But in order for our community to authentically function, in order for us to ensure we're going with spirit instead of propping up a dying paradigm, we have to be willing to give all of that up to lay our collective ego aside, think about the future of our children and the kingdom work that we hold dear. And as we look ahead, we have to constantly ask ask ourselves, what needs to happen that's new? What needs to change and what needs to die? This is all so that we can create a church as it ought to be. We don't give up on church, which is a whole other sermon I could tell you about. But at the same time, I'm willing to radically rethink church, transforming the typical church prototype in the process to a form that even we couldn't have imagined. There's a lot of faith involved. So now we know who we once were, but who do we want to be? It's up to us to decide. and We can dream up whatever we want. So who do we want to be? There are no rules. No rules here, none, except love. Amen.